Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you wherever you are today. Great to be in uh, your room, whatever that looks like. And as we've heard today, we're really looking forward to being back in the rooms at our various locations. And so looking forward to that. Um, This morning, we're going to get straight into this. Um, I've got a message I think is really going to be helpful. Actually, more than helpful, I think it'll be powerful in your life. It's got huge potential. So for the next, you know, 28 minutes or so, will you just lean in, give me your full attention, and let's see God do something in these minutes together today. Let's get into it. I want to talk to you today about, about passion, about passion, about how to get it, how to keep it, and how to harness it. I like to think that I live life with passion. And I would love that, well, more than what I would love, God wants you and He wants me to live our lives with passion. Um, passion is, it's energy, it's zeal, it's fire on the inside. Uh, we're, we're to live life with that, with a fire, with a zeal, with a passion on the inside. It's energy that excites us and moves us. Hopefully it moves us and drives us into action. Um, if, if you've met someone with passion around anything, um, um, you, kind of, you can kind of feel it. If they touch on an area where they're passionate, you kind of feel it. You, you can certainly hear it and sometimes you can see it. They, they just go up a few notches. You can be in a conversation with somebody and it's just not really going anywhere. It's just a nice conversation. And then you hit on something they're really passionate about in their heart. And the next thing you know, you can, you can sense it. You can feel it. You can hear it. You can often see it. They become more animated or lean forward or whatever it is. We are to live with passion. And, and, and passion is the edge. It gives us an edge in life. I mean, think about it. When um, in sport... Uh, uh, um, boxing is famous for it. It's that you can have a um, you can have a person who is the champion of the world, and they lose their passion. They lose that edge, and they go from unbeatable to they just can't win a fight anymore. What's shifted? The talents there, the trainings there, the same regimes there, the same people are in place, but they've lost their edge. They've lost their passion how to get it, how to keep it, and then how to harness it. Let's talk about that today. Because God has created us to live with, we live with passion. God places a capacity to live with passion within, the every, within every human heart. He, he wants you to live with passion. He wants me to live with passion. And passion gives us an edge. It, it makes a difference. We were never meant to go through life with the color fading fast, with passion on the low, just getting through the day. That was never the intent of God for the human heart, for the human spirit to live that way. God created you. He created me to live with passion in this life. And so as we talk about it today, um, let's, let's get to it and let's come to the scriptures Um, on this, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, we're going to read from. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted, speaking to the church, speaking to God's people, it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, 
Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour. You could put in brackets, instead of fervour, fire, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Wow, there's a whole lot going on there already. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone, anyone. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God, God's anger, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed your enemy. If your enemy is thirsty, give them something to, do, uh, to drink. If, doing, if in doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I wanted to read the whole passage there because it's just so much in it for the Christian life and uh, be, be a worthy passage to meditate on all week. But obviously the verse I want to bring us to today is verse 11. And it says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fire, your fervor, serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal. It's speaking um, specifically to the passion we live out our Christian faith with. Never, ever be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fire hot serving the Lord. Uh, I've written it like this in the DFB Bible, my personal favourite, Darren Francis Bunnell version. It's incredibly theologically sound on this singular verse. Don't fade out. Keep yourself fired up. Don't fade out. Keep yourself fired up. Seriously, that's what the Bible's saying to every person who's a believer in Jesus. And, it, and it's not to, to weigh people down or condemn them. It's because the best way to live for Jesus is to live with passion going on to the core of our being. The only way to really live out our faith is to live with a zeal and a fire and a stirring in our soul because that edge changes everything. I mean, if you've ever lived your faith out with low passion, you know what I mean. Think about your faith and the way you live it out with low passion. And then think about that area of life where you've got high passion. Wow, what a difference that makes. You ever seen somebody work into their, go into their workplace with low passion? Ever seen another person go into the same workplace with high passion? Same job, same task, might have the same, same skill set, but the high passion person and the low passion person, they're just worlds apart. God wants us to live with high passion. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fire as you serve the Lord. I think that's what he wants for you. I know it's what he wants for me. Passion. So let's talk about it. how to get it, how to keep it, and how to harness it. Let's start at the top, how to, how to get it. I love this psalm. Psalm 45 and verse 1 says, My heart, speaking uh, David, the, the um, Jewish king and um, poet and songwriter, he writes, My heart is stirred with a noble theme. Oh, this verse helped me so much in my life. My heart is stirred with a noble theme. It's, it's stirred with a, 
a passionate theme. There's something going on on the inside of him, this theme in his heart. And it kind of gives us the feel and the idea we're talking about here. Passion is the, 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 the themes that are stirring on the inside of our heart, on the inside of our spirit, our hearts being stirred with passionate and noble themes. So how do we get it going on? How do we get passion going on in the right places in our life? Well, here are some thoughts. Number one, just make room. Just make room for God. It's amazing what God will do when there's room for him to speak and stir and move. It's just amazing. You start opening our Bible and and just start reading. You take the passage we looked at today, be devoted to one another. And it goes on and talks about brotherly, sisterly love. It talks about blessing. It talks about sharing with God's people. It talks about living in harmony. It talks about don't repay evil for evil, living at peace with all people, serving the Lord with fire and passion. When, when, those, when we start to just make room for God to move and stir and speak, it's amazing what he will do with that space. If I'm going to have passion going on just to make room for God to speak and move and stir. And, and then the second heading is like it. Not only make room, but, but the inner room. The inner room. Almost all of Jesus' ministry flows out of this singular place what we would call in Christian circles, we would call the inner room where he would just leave the crowds. He'd get away from his disciples. He'd go to an isolated place and it would be him and his heavenly father. That's how he worked out. He says it's how he worked out what to say and how to say it. He said it's how he worked out where to go and not to go. It's this place he said was how he picked, handpicked the 12 disciples. It was after a night in that inner room, his inner room, that he came away with a sense of who was in his inner circle and who might not be in his inner circle. It's this incredible place to live where God can move and stir and energize and motivate and speak to. Wow, what a difference it makes for passion in our lives when we get the inner room space going on in ours. Have you got that going on in your life today? Is your inner room strong? Because I tell you, if it is, passion is coming your way. God will speak. God will stir. God, God will move in, in your heart, the inner room. Uh, the, the, the apostle Peter, he's on his lunch break one day. He's just having lunch up on a rooftop because of the way they built their homes. And in the middle of a normal everyday, he's up there doing what he did every day, probably this ritual of the inner room, spending time with God alone. And in the midst of that, he has a vision downloaded from heaven that would change the course of his life and affect the human story. I nearly died from that day on. When I think about even in my life, the most pivotal moments either came in that place or flowed from what went on in that place of the inner room with God. Oh, how he wants to stir passion in us. Is your passion at a high end or is it at a low ebb? The inner room will begin to shift that as we take time to live in it. The, other, the next thought here is not only make room for God, not only the inner room with God, but there's the upper room with his people. I want us to think about the upper room for a moment today. It was in the upper room that they prayed, not just on the day of Pentecost, but for the 40 days leading up. They literally gathered as a people post Jesus' ascension, his resurrection, uh, his ascension. And, and they literally prayed as a people together for 40 days. 
Now, I don't know who went out and who went to work, but they gathered for 40 days. It was a gathering. And then you, that was in Acts 1 and 2. And then you move forward to Acts chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 4, the early church, we see that again, the, the kind of upper room gathering where God's people came and passionately sought God. They passionately prayed together. They were really looking for God to speak and work and move and stir. And we don't know what else, but they were there. And there was the, there was the inner room experience. And then there was the upper a room experience, the gathering of God's people. Hey, I don't know if you gather in prayer with God's people, but it's so essential to the Christian faith. It's so dynamic in the life of every believer. It has the power to shift a nation, to bring about a shift in the, the, the what is in the going on in an economy and in a nation and in a church and in a human heart, the power of the inner room and the upper room. I mean, it was in Acts chapter 13 that the Apostle Paul is hanging out with some, it said, some teachers and some prophets, and they're just this small group of guys. And out of that moment, it says, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke, and it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit that we set apart Paul for the, um, for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. There was this upper room kind of experience, and out of it came a future that reaches to us you know, at the ends of the earth even to this moment, the inner room and then the upper room, really just making room for God to speak and to move. Here's the next thought in getting it, getting it going. Uh, just add fuel to the fire. Add, add fuel to the fire. It, it, all the fire needs, I know this is profound, to go out is just to be left to itself. You just need to keep adding fuel or it is reduced to embers. Same with passion. We're just adding fuel to the fire. You know, some great fuels to the fire that the Bible talks about that we know to be true are just being in the right environments where fuel can be added to the fire. This is the right environment this morning. My hope is that you will be stirred in the best possible way as it uh, relates to living with passion generally and passion for God specifically. And... and um, adding fuel, right environments, and then they're the right people. They just are the right people who put passion into our spirit. And I want to be the right person putting passion into yours and into those around us. Who, who's in that space for you, adding fuel to the fire, the right environments, the right people. And then, of course, God's Word is just such a fuel for the fire of our souls. And then there, on those two fronts, there's these other two things going on. There's being stirred and then there's stirring up. There's, there's making room so we could be stirred and then there's taking action in stirring it up because that passage that we read, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fire serving the Lord. The, the really, the, what it's saying is it, there's an onus on us to keep the spiritual fire hot. And so it's this, uh, it's this combination of being stirred and then stirring up, being stirred and then stirring up. And taking action around that, add fuel to the fire, um, <clears throat> in Jesus' name. So that's the first thought. And then a couple of questions to go with it before we leave that and move on. Here, here, here they are. Number one, what drains your godly passion? What, what, what drains it for you? I'll tell you what drains it for me. Overextended for extended seasons. When my life is just overextended for an extended period of time, it, it drains my passion for the things of God. It's just, it's just what it does. 
What is it for you? What, what drains your passion? And then the second question is, what fuels it? What fuels your godly passion? What is that? I, I think we, we just named a few, but specifically what works for you? For me, just sitting on a passage of scripture uh, for an extended period of time, just I'll get a verse and I'll just sit there and uh, every day I'll read it. You know, for seven years, I read, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out your, um, your cords and lengthen your stakes because you will, you will expand or, uh, to the left and to the right. And for seven years, most other days, I read that, believing that that was our future and we watched that come to pass. And it just stirred in me and it stirred in me and then I would stir it up and stir it up and then it would stir in me and stir in me and then I would stir it up and stir it up in the, in the times when I wanted to quit and in the times when it didn't look like it would happen and in the times when there are other things I could have gone and done, just keeping that in front of us, just stirring it up and being stirred, stirred with it and, and just to do that in our lives. What fuels your passion? What is it for you? Uh, and then... Number three, what, who, not what, who, who drains your passion? Who drains your godly passion? Hopefully they're not sitting next to you. If they are, don't nudge them and point to them. But who, who drains your godly passion? Who is that? I, I think the dynamic of that relationship, well, it needs to shift for your sake. Who drains your spiritual passion? And then... You know, for me, uh, it's no secret, negative people. Um, they, they, they drain my spiritual passion. People who don't love the church, who can tell you everything that's wrong with the church who are meant to be Christian. They drain my passion. But then there are other people, and this is the next question is, who ignites your passion? Can you identify people who ignite godly passion in you? Who are they? Get them more and more around you. Get them, even if it's on a podcast, just find a way to get that, go, that flow going into our spirit. So that's number one, how to get it. Number two is how to keep it. Let me read to you from Revelation chapter 2 this morning, verses 1 to 7. It says this, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Well, that's, that's a vision, right? I know your deeds, know your hard work, and I know your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You've persevered and you've endured hardship for my namesake and you've not grown weary. This is a solid, solid group of people. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Then it goes on and says, if you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your land stamp from its place, but you have this in your favour, and it goes on to talk. And then it finally says in verse 7, he who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. Uh, here's what I want us to think about in terms of how to get it and how to keep it. We're talking about keeping the passion white hot in our lives. And what he says is, he says, hey, you're solid. They've held on to living solid, but they've left, let go living with passion. This is super important for many of us in the room today. They, they've held on to living solid in their faith. They're committed, they're devoted, they're persevered, they, they contribute, blah, blah, blah. You, yeah, you got the idea. But they've, they've held on to solid, but they've let go of passionate. And, and the Bible comes along and says, hey, this is so big for you. 
that it needs repentance. What? These are solid people. But the Bible comes along and says, having, having let go of your passion, that needs repentance. It needs you to weigh this heavily and take action accordingly. Because this is big. This first love thing, this zeal, this fire, this passion thing. The Spirit of God was trying to go, hey, I want you to know it's big because you need this going on in your life. And so repent of it. Wonder where you're at this morning. How are you going with that at the center of your life? And, and, and he doesn't bring it to condemn them. He brings it to wake them up and go, hey, there's a certain way I want you to live. And so he, he, he calls them to it and he rallies their heart. Here are some thoughts. So number two, how to keep it. Never endorse it. Never endorse low-level passion. Never get okay with it and always do something about it. Never endorse it. Never let go. Uh, never get okay with it and always do something about it. Uh, what's interesting, he says they forsook it. It wasn't something lost. It was something they consciously let go. It was something they let slip. It's not something that's beyond their control. It's something completely within their power to own. And it is for you and I too. That thing called passion, that thing called zeal and fire. And so number one in um, keeping it is number one, he says, just remember, um, just remember. He says, remember how it was when you first got started. Remember what you were like. And he's going to go on to say, and, and do those things you did at first. And, and I think this is such a powerful and profound thought. Because I can remember what I was like when I first fell in love with Brian. I can remember that. I can remember that, you know, you would do more. You'd sit on the phone for long periods of time because we were in different towns and all that kind of thing. There are things you would do in that time. And, and, and to keep that passion, to keep that fire, to keep that first love in our lives, sometimes I just need to remember what I did way back at first. Keep opening car doors and you know, keep taking you out for date nights and all the things that, that worked then that still work now and just keeping them in place. Sometimes, and this is a bit odd because Brian is in the room today, sometimes I'll make a conscious choice in a room to just fully focus on my wife when she's across the room. She's never heard this before. You know, when her hair's out, and you can accuse me of well, whatever you want on that one, but when my wife's hair's out, and she's got that smile. Some of you know what I mean. It just radiates. And if my wife is laughing, hair out, smile on, breaks out into laughter, I can look across that room and I can hold that gaze and it does something in my heart. It's remembering what we did at first. I remember Brian and I were out to dinner. Um, as you, many of you know, I travel a lot. And so, um, and not on your pay either, on, on our denomination pays these bills. But but so you know, when, when I'm away, sometimes I'll get to eat at wonderful restaurants because I'm away and they're paying the bill and, and uh, I've got to eat. And so we're out one night with this young couple and uh, I, I didn't even blink. I just went down to the restaurant, sat down and started to order and thought, yeah, yeah, great. And wasn't particularly thankful or anything. And this young couple sat down and they went, wow, how good is this? How great is this place? How good is this food? I can't believe we're here. And I realized that I'd forgotten how privileged and how fortunate I was 
And my heart was stirred again to remember where things had started and the privilege and blessing of God in my life. So it talks about remember. Then it talks about repent. And I just want to spend a minute to talk about this on repent. He says, you know, just look and repent. You've got to own this in your heart. Weigh it. Weigh it. I've put it here. It's hand on heart owning this. It's hand on heart putting this right with God. It's hand on heart committing to a change of heart and action. That's what it is. And then three, it talks about take action, about do something about it, about stoking the fire. He says, hey, get back to those things that you did at first because those things, in the same way that passion once provoked action, the Bible comes along and says, if you will take action, it will provoke passion. It's like this cycle. Passion provokes action and action provokes passion. And I'm confused, but you get the idea. Passion and action and passion and action and passion and action and passion and action. They feed off each other. And so it says, hey, come back and, and begin to take action like you did at first. I wonder what that is for you. At the height of passion in your spiritual development, what were the things going on that maybe, I don't know if you're not passionate now, aren't going on and just to take action. But maybe you're there and maybe the fire's hot and maybe Maybe you're going for broken. And I'd say, take note of what's going on right now and keep those things strong in our lives. Keep them stoking the fire. Keep living for God with everything we've got. How to get it, how to keep it and how to harness it. We might need to go here and beyond it next week. But I'll give you this thought as we close. Harness it is to put to effective use for a particular purpose. To harness is to put to effective use use for a particular purpose. The passion in you, God wants to put into effective purpose. And I'm going to cut and short circuit the whole thing for the sake of time and cut to this to set up next week. Here's the thought. Just because I'm passionate about something specific doesn't make it my God-appointed purpose. Now God has one and I want to bring you to that next week. I want to talk about harnessing passion next week. But but here's the thought I want to get you today because some of you will be going, yeah, Darren, I understand what you do. You take your passion and you you align it with purpose. But there's, it's very important that we understand this idea because the Apostle Paul was passionate about the Jews. Man, he could not have been more passionate about his homeland. But God called him to a passion that didn't include them. He called them, him to a passion and what the Bible calls the Gentiles, the rest of the world. So just because passion was in his heart for a particular thing, didn't mean it was part of his God-appointed future. David, the king, had a passion to build the house of God, to rebuild it or to build the temple. And he was all ready to go for it. He was fired up about it. And the Bible says that God spoke to him and said, no, no, not that, but I've got a plan and a purpose. So there is God-appointed purpose in our future. It flows out of passion, but that passion can go in multiple directions. We're going to look at that next week. God bless you. Have a great week and a great weekend. Look forward to continuing the conversation in just a moment. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.